Speaking of getting booked, this podcast is about one thing, getting booked to speak more. Whether you are an established speaker or a newbie, we want to see your career take off. Hundreds of speakers are hired every single day, and you are next. Let's jump in with your host, Matt Browning. What's going on? What's up, speaker? Welcome to Speaking of Getting Booked. It's Matt Browning, and... Man, this is an exciting time. We're in season two of Speaking and Getting Booked. And, you know, with all that's changed in the world, one thing hasn't changed. Hopefully, you still want to get booked. You still want to speak. You still have a message to share. And although there's different things that have shifted in how we're doing that, the main message is still there. You have something to bring to the world, and you got to get in front of audiences. So whether it's virtual, whether it's live, whether it's a hybrid, um, as we've talked about recently, we want to, we want to get, you, get you booked, and without any further ado, let's jump right into the content. My guest this week is Alexis Caldicott, and she's an international speaker herself, but also an event consultant and a marketing strategist for live events. Uh, for over a decade, she's traveled across U.S., Mexico, Canada, teaching business owners how to strategically use events to get clients. So her entire world has been events. It still is. Alexis helped and consulted and worked with uh, my partner Jen and I on our most recent uh, virtual hybrid live event and an unbelievably huge blessing, had a, a ton of great insight and marketing strategy for us with there. Uh, so whether you host your own event or you want to use someone's event right, to get booked as a speaker, as a sponsor, or even an attendee to grow your business, this is what we are doing. She's called the queen of event marketing. And she's helped clients generate multiple six figures in sales from single events with less than 50 people attending. So again, if you want to run your own event or you're getting booked at events to find clients, that's why we are talking to Alexis. Welcome to the show. How you doing, my friend? Hi, Matt. Hello. Thank you so much for having me today. Excited to be here. Hey, don't thank me, man. Like, I thank you for making the time. This is an exciting and unprecedented time. It really is. <laughs> it is. But I, I, want, I want to jump right into kind of what's been working, what is, and what's going to. Um, for you, what were you doing before events? I want to hear a little bit about kind of just your story briefly of, I know you weren't doing events your entire life, and I know you have a really interesting story about how events really shifted and changed your life. What brought you into this whole world in the first place? Well, uh, what actually brought me into this world in the first place, I'll give you the abbreviated version of my story, is, is uh, basically I, I had a, a rather difficult upbringing and um, I dove into personal development to help overcome some of those things and I just fell in love with it. I just, I could not believe uh, the transformation that I had just so quickly and was able to overcome uh, some of the difficult challenges that I faced. Um, and I just, I fell in love with it because I saw how people were able to overcome these gigantic hurdles that they had had in their life. And I just, I knew I had to be a part of it. I had to be a part of the solution and help other people also uh, work through their things. I didn't know how at the time, of course, but I just knew I fell in love with events and had to be a part of it. So um, actually a woman that I was going to these personal development events with, she asked me um, if I wanted to help her help her start putting on her own events as well. And I just instantly, just everything in my body was like, uh, yes, <laughs> I have to do this. This, this is amazing. I get to uh, get paid to, to do what I love and, and to help other people 
by creating the container. So she asked me to help her with managing and running events for her and for her business as a business coach. And um, I'm very proud and happy to say that, you know, uh, from studying uh, with her and with other mentors like David Nagel, Lisa Sasevich, Callan Rush, uh, Sandra Yancey, some of these big names in the industry doing seven-figure events, I quickly learned what worked and what didn't work. And we implemented that for her and her business. And I'm super um, proud to say that the first time we did an event, not only was it a huge personal transformation for the people that attended, but it was a financial success as well. She closed six figures at her first event and it just never stopped from there. Um, and just word got out <laughs> from there of, hey, there's this chick that's helping people do this with their events. And um, the business just kind of grew from there and just fell in love with it with helping people create that container for transformation and, and filling the room with people um, that were ready and needed that transformation and to step forward into some more support. So, so yeah, that's, that's, awesome. that's the short story. But um, yeah, just fell in love with events. Yeah, and, and I, I want to just kind of harp for a second on the beginning of that where you, you know, you talked about how you fell in love with events, but most of us, I think I, I certainly do. I have, I have a personal attachment and connection to events. You know, I was 21 years old and working in the mortgage business and a representative from Tony Robbins came by and our, my boss got tickets for us. And I went to his event for the first time and I'd never been to something like that. And it genuinely changed my life. And for you, I mean, from your upbringing, and, we, and we've talked offline a lot about, you know, I know you've been through some pretty hard stuff and things that most people are either going to go, whoa, or some people unfortunately will relate to, but the event aspect became this container for you, right? That, that really allowed you mm -hmm. to, what would you say? Is, is it growing? Was it transforming? Is it healing? Like, what are some of the, the more personal side of what, what event spaces have done for you? Can it be just before all the financial success and the client success and everything took off? Yeah. Um, I mean, if you like, I can share a, a, a story of uh, an exercise that I did at an event. It was a bit intense, but um, I would love that. Go. Okay, sure. Great. So, so just, I think I know some... which one you're talking about too. Okay. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I know what we're getting into. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so to give you some backstory of why this exercise was so powerful is um, my upbringing was very abusive actually. Uh, my my when I say abusive, um, <laughs> let me sh just share what I mean by that. This wasn't just you know name calling. Um, my mother actually suffered from what's called dissociative identity disorder, or what was called multiple personalities. So you know one day she'd be super happy, everything was hearts and flowers, as the neighbors would call her when they saw her being super sweet. Um, but then <laughs> everything would turn on a dime, and there were landmines and child protective services coming over and we were taught to lie about how we got the bruises and smile and say everything's okay and um you know and with her I just you just never knew what you were going to get any moment of the day um and that's why you know when she would be the hearts and flowers mom uh, that was actually scarier to me than what I called the evil eyes mom <laughs> because I knew that hearts and flowers mom wasn't going to last right so one day um I'm doing my homework uh, fast forward, I'm, I'm 16 years old. Um, I'm doing my homework and my mom yells at me, go do the dishes. We have people coming over. And, you know, of course, right. She doesn't want people to know how crazy it is <laughs> at our house. So I said, well, well, mom, I'm doing my homework. Do you, do you want me to do my homework or do the dishes first? And she says, finish your homework, then go do the dishes. Okay. So I start finishing my homework. She comes back uh, 
like 30 seconds later and yells, why are you doing the dishes? Wait, what? But you just go do the dishes. Okay. So I get up, I leave my room, I start walking in the kitchen and out of nowhere, a hand grabs my ponytail, throws me against the wall. And it's my mom, my mom. And she's, she's right in my face. She's yelling. I don't remember what she's yelling, but she starts to choke me with both hands. Whoa. Yeah. And I realize my mother is trying to strangle and kill me right now. And something just finally snaps. I just like a rush of red just comes pouring up all the way from the bottom of my toes all the way up. And I just throw my hands off and shove her. And I scream at the top of my lungs, I hate you. And she stops for just a second. And just a moment, I know a part of her really took that in. And then she said, I know you do, you little bee. And then suddenly a calm, yeah, (laughs) I edited that. Suddenly a calm and a rational uh, realization comes over me. And I look in her eyes and I say, we're done. I run, I grab my shoes, I leave the house. And as I'm walking around aimlessly, aimlessly around town for hours, I made some vows. I'm finishing school as soon as I can. When I'm turning 18, I'm moving out. And I made a decision in that moment that I would never let her abuse me again. And she tried, right? Sure, she tried. (laughs) But she never really succeeded again. And so I'm at this point now, I'm 16 years old, um, and I finally feel that there's some hope and that there's a future for me. So I start planning my education, my GED, and I, big surprise, go to school for psychology. Right, as most of us do, and we're trying to figure out how the heck we became who we are, um, and study music therapy. And I, I loved music therapy um, because I wanted to use music to help people transform, like the things I had. Um, but then I, that's when I stumbled across personal development events, and like I said, I had no idea that these places existed, but I fell in love with them. Um, so fast forward, that takes me to that one special uh, retreat that I went to this personal development retreat um, event. And, and at this event, it was amazing, powerful, powerful transformations for everyone. It, it was pretty good for me at this point, but everyone was having these huge breakthroughs. But then they did this one exercise that I've never seen before and probably never will again. But somehow, somewhere, this exercise was orchestrated just for me. Matt, they had someone role play choking you. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I've been through lots of metaphorical kind of breakthrough experiences at events, board breaks, fire eating, fire walking, <laughs> right? Aero, you know, these, I mean, there's some pretty crazy stuff, but I've never in over 15 years producing live events and being at live events heard of a damn exercise like this. I know. It was crazy, right? And I mean, they weren't actually choking you, right? They're they're role playing, but they had both hands around your neck and pretending, right? And then how you, right, I had to respond while they're pretending to choke you was say, I love you. I forgive you. Now, you can imagine role playing an exercise like that could could do all kinds of things for most people. But for me, with my experience, it was like the last dark part of my heart just, just broke in half. And I felt the light just coming up and bubbling up in me like it had never before. So I, I had a moment 
there at that retreat where I made a decision that I need to create experiences like this for other people. I have to create the container like this, right? Like I said, I didn't know what it would look like, but I just, I just knew I had to be a part of it because I knew how powerful events could be for people. It's incredible. So, and I just thank you for sharing that, Alexis. And, um, you know, I, I, I've heard your story and we've been through that together. And I just, I really wanted everyone to know that because I think sometimes we lose track of the power, right? And sometimes the reasoning behind why we're doing what we're doing and the space of, of seminars and events, you know, for me, like when I went in 2002 to my first event, it was, it was a very new thing. And at least to me, you know, um, and over the years, there's been more of them and more people getting involved. And I think the, the curve of how many people doing events has gone up. And sometimes the cynicism has gone up with it. And, you know, it's a really important thing. Like sometimes, you know, if you're running an event or you're speaking in an event and there's 30 people in the audience, like there might be an Alexis or a Matt in the audience that is there at the verge of changing, breaking through, like genuinely, this is the pivotal moment. And like, you got to steward that moment for people. And I know that you bring that into what you do. You know, you're not just one of the best marketing and copy people on the planet when it comes to, uh, as we say, putting cheeks in seats. Um, it's so much more than that, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And and Matt, I'm so glad that you highlighted that because in this event industry, um, you know, there's been a bad seat or two here or there, but for the most part, the people that are hosting events have this huge message and mission um, and they really want to help people and transform them. Yes, there's the business side of it, of course. They're in business. Um, and and we do talk about the business of events and how to make money from events and all of that. But the real reason I think people want to do events, the bulk of them, it's because they really want to help people have a transformation. Whether that transformation is in their business, it's in their relationships, it's in their health or any other category, they really want to create an experience for people and create a container for people to have these major breakthroughs and transformations. It's a heck of a lot faster than sitting on the shrinks couch for 10 years. I, I think it's awesome. So, <laughs> so, so with that kind of in the foreground, Alexis, now I want to talk about what does it take to make that successful? Because, Hey, we can have the biggest heart and have it on hold of space for it. Um, you've done both. You have been the speaker, the networker, the attendee, the sponsor, and you've done that many times. You've also been the organizer, running the event, marking the event. You know, you had lots of different hats over time. So can we first kind of talk about from the event manager, producer, marketer side? Uh, if you pop on that hat for me, if you would. Sure. Um, what, what are some, and whatever comes to your mind or any stories in particular, but what are some, what are some mistakes people are making when they're trying to market their event? Or what are some successful secrets to trying to market the event, to, to really get the people in. And we can talk about anything from timing to size, to location, to price, to web presence. I mean, literally whatever, wherever you go, I'd love to know from your brain, what are some mistakes and or what are some secret sauces that event, if you're putting on an event, you need to do to market and fill it correctly? Yeah, great. I love this topic. This is, this is one of them where I totally geek out. <laughs> the marketing Did I lose side. you or is that just a big question? What's that? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Huh. Hello? Yeah? I hear you talking, but I can't hear you anymore. That's so weird. Can you hear me? Huh. Alexis, I can see your microphone moving up and down on Zoom, but it's not so weird. 
Sound is gone. I don't know if this is on which end it is, but could you maybe leave and come back in? That might reset it. I just turned it I leave, the recording will stop. But can you still hear me? Yeah. Can you hear me at all now? I'll turn my video back on. I don't know what happened. Can you hear me at all now? No? Can you hear me? You can. Yeah. That's weird. All right. But something changed. I can't hear you. Try leaving, coming back in. That could be a difference maker. Can you hear me? now? Can you hear me? No. Yeah. Let me see if it's... Before I mess with you too much, let me see if it's my speaker. Yeah, I'm testing my mic. All right, it's something with my speaker went wrong. Okay. There we go. That's weird. Okay. This is all perfect stuff, but randomly. Hey, technology, right? Yeah, randomly the uh, Zoom H6 stopped working. Let me make sure my headphones work. That's how I know if you actually sound good or not. Mm -hmm. Right. All right, test one, two. Could you give me a say something? Yep, test one, two. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Well, I remember where you left, so I can jump in there if you want. Whatever works. All right. Can you try again? Am I losing this? Can you hear me? Test? Hang on, Alexis. I'm going to reset my Zoom H6. See if that's the issue here. Hang on. All right. Test one, two. Okay, so I work. Can you say something again? Test? Can you hear me? Yeah. Test? Okay. All right. Great. Thank you. This is IT, right? I have isolated the problem. It was a glitch in my recorder interface. Fun. All right. So I have marked down. Justin will just, he's just going to stitch that together. I'm going to ask the question again, but probably much more succinctly. Okay. Do you want me to turn off video again? Yeah, that'd be great. And then we're at 36. Justin, somewhere around 3620. We're coming back. All right. Three, two, one. So Alexis, I want to pivot just a bit and talk about if you can put on the hat of the meeting promoter slash event manager, marketer, you know, I know you've done kind of pieces in all those roles. What, what are some mistakes that people make for those of us who are speaking, but also do or want to run live events, workshops, retreats, et cetera. What are some mistakes that people are making that are leaving the rooms empty and how can we fix them? And anywhere you want to go with that is fine with me. I know you, uh, from any different perspective. Oh, awesome. Well, I love open-ended like that. <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad you do. Not everyone <laughs> <Great>. does. <laughs> no, that works perfect. So, no, I love this. Event marketing is actually where I love to geek out. So, this is perfect. So, so let me start with, uh, there are actually some secret uh, ways, secret strategies that the top-level experts are using to fill their events um, that most people don't know or have unfortunately been taught the wrong things to do when it comes to filling their events. And that's why they end up with very low attendance or the people that are at their events are broke or broken. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. The, the, the clients that are a little bit yeah. more challenging, um, they have some work to do. Well, that's a nice way to put it, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Well, I guess I would say that the, one of the top ones is, uh, you need to have realistic expectations on what you can have at your event, um, how many people you can have at your event, and high standards, high standards for the people that attend your event. Well, what do I mean by high standards? What I mean is, well, let me put it to you this way. Let me ask you a question. Why is it, Matt, in our personal lives, we have standards for who we'll allow in our lives, but in business, many people feel like they have to just take whatever they can get. Wow. Just take whatever client will come. I have, it makes perfect sense. But I've never thought of that in perspective of that. Like, and some people do that, don't they? Like in a relationship, they, they are living in this world of like, you take what you can get, but 
everyone, including them, probably know, hey, this isn't good. This isn't healthy. That's not what I want, right? Right, right, exactly. And, you know, hopefully you do grow and you do have some standards for your personal life. But in business, it's a relationship just like an intimate relationship with someone in your front uh, that's in your life, like a friend, you know, a, a relationship with a client is intimate. It's emotional. You have their hopes, their dreams, uh, the things they want to do in your hands and you're helping them overcome it. And money on top of it is exchanged. So it's emotional. It's a relationship. So you need to be selective who you let in. So you don't want everyone at your event. You want the right people. And this is the and this is perfect to get to the next part, which I'm sure we're already screaming. It's like, how do you do that? Because here's what I hear a lot, and I've said this a lot over the years. Well, why do we let whoever in? Well, somewhere deep inside, there's a belief or an expectation that there's only so many people that are going to come. Like if I'm doing my best to tell everyone at at the local Starbucks and the public library and telling my aunt and uncle that I do an event and I still only get 15 people there, then I hear Alexis say, hey, you got to be selective, only get the right people. Now my fear is that I'll have one and a half people. So (laughs) so how how do I, because I- And hopefully the half isn't like your cousin, right? (laughs) (laughs) It's one person and their dog. It's like terrible. But what, what what do you do to make that happen? And hopefully keep the number the same or increase the numbers. Um, Because that's what I see. Sometimes, you know, we look around and there's just, it feels like there's not enough people that are saying yes and want to come. So I'm scared if I try to cut it down and quote unquote niche to the right person, how am I possibly going to get enough people? Right, right. Well, well, first I would say, Matt, is, you know, when when I talked about being realistic in your expectations is there's actually a proven method to predict how many people will attend. So you'll know if you're only going to have one and a half people or if you're going to have 30 people or 300 people. So it's, it's called a ticket map and it's a little bit more robust. And that's something that, you know, I take my clients through when I work with them one-on-one to plan out how many people they can have, but the ticket map shows them where the people are going to come from and how many, so that you can actually see how many people will come. And then once you know that, then build a plan around what type of an event you're going to have. Because it's okay if you're only going to have five people. If that ticket map comes out and says, you know, you're only going to have five people at your event, that's okay. That just means change the type of event that you're going to do. So having an intimate event, the higher the intimacy, the higher the conversion. So if you have a small event that's like five to 25 people, it's a very small or more intimate event. So you can actually sell 70 to even 90% of the people in the room into whatever it is you're selling. The stat I'm hearing, or not the stat, the, the quote to write down right now, if you're not driving somewhere, write this down. The more intimate the event, was it the higher the conversion? Yeah, the higher the intimacy, the higher the conversion rate. That's well said. So we don't need to be scared of having too few people if it's the right event and it's the right people. Is that accurate? Right, right. So what I'm trying to hammer in here, Matt, is you have to be strategic um, and pick the right type of event for where you are in your business. The, the problem that we see is you will see other people in the industry, uh, you know, big people in the industry, big names doing this type of event, doing this big event. And we think that that's what will work us. And we need to model that and do that. But that's not correct. Your business 
is different than theirs. You have different uh, things that work for you and work against you. You have um, you know, different connections that they do. So you have to look at what do I have in my wheelhouse? What am I able to do? And use what you've got, right? So you have to pick the right type of event and strategy based on the resources that you have, based on the list that you have. You yeah. all got to start somewhere. And starting at the bottom doesn't mean, you know, if you view a small event at the bottom, um, you know, starting with a small event doesn't mean that it's not going to be successful. We've had clients do small events with, you know, as little as 30 people close 300,000 at their event. So small doesn't mean no results. I am in. Can you give me a couple examples? You talked about different types of events, having the right type of event, the right kind of an event. What are some examples of different kinds of events? Again, in my mind, um, you know, I, I can think of some myself, but you, you have been in this actually with far more uh, event people and planners than I have. I've ran a lot of my own events, but 95% of them, maybe more, have looked very similar. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm going to have a seminar. There's right. going to be a stage. We're shooting for around 100 people. Right. going to be in a certain town or market. I'm going to speak for two to three days. I'm going to have some guest speakers. We'll make an offer on day two or three. You know, what have you. Like the formula isn't that yep. different that I've done. But I feel like that seminar teaching make the offer model is probably one. What are some other examples that you're talking about when you say make have the right type of event? Right. And, and Matt, what you're saying is exactly you know, what I was referring to. Is that's what people see. So that's what they think they need to do. But there are, I'm going to share two different type of events that are um, unique that someone with a small list uh, and small following could do to grow their list and get clients at the same time. Um, the first one I'm going to share is more of the higher intimacy that, that I've had clients and I myself have hosted and closed 70 to 90% of the room. Um, and this strategy, just to lure you in a little bit more, make you a little bit more curious. Oh, I'm, in. I'm so in. Let's do this. <laughs> um, I've, I've seen seven-figure people, uh, seven-figure earners use this strategy as well because it's so effective. So this type of strategy, um, this type of event that I'm talking about is a two-day mastermind, a two-day mastermind. So what this looks like is there's about anywhere from five to about 20 people. You don't really want more than 20 people. 15 is really ideal, uh, the max, but no more than 20 for sure. And this is two days where it's just you and the attendees sitting around the table, sitting like a boardroom table, right, with in-person events. Now it would just be you guys all hanging out on Zoom and the strategy would still work. But basically it's two days with you and a small group of people and you are going deep into content and then doing laser coaching for each person to help them take what you just taught them and apply it. So it's not, you know, come hear me talk and lecture the whole time. It's roll up your sleeves, get it done. So it's almost like mastermind meets boot camp, right, style of this event. So it's two intensive days where they get things done, but it's also they get access to you. So that's what creates the allure of this is oh my gosh, I get two full days with Matt Browning and I only have to share him with like eight other people. Um, I'm in, yeah, I'll pay two grand to go to that. And so people will price it in that price range, anywhere from a thousand to $2,000 just to spend those two intimate days with you, Matt, because you're gonna have them walk away with something major done for them. And they're going, going to get coaching from you live right then and there. So. Now on the front end, you've made money. So even if people don't 
buy, you've made money. Right. So you're but spending then, two days and it's like whatever the price is and however many people you have, you're you're at least somewhere between five to twenty thousand dollars. And look, if we and I'm sorry to interrupt, but if we break down, like you said, not doing the traditional seminar route, so many people have and me included have opened the seminar doors at a deficit. Right. Mm -hmm. We're opening the doors, paying for hotels and AV and all these things and the production value, quote unquote, and then selling $97 tickets or free tickets or, or $7 tickets or whatever they are. But I, so I like that. It's like going back to the original of, hey, would you spend two days with a handful of people and make 2,500 bucks a day, make five grand a day? Like, is that worth it? And I think the answer is probably yes for most of us. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, even if you bombed and you didn't make anything on your offer, you're still going in cash flow positive. You still yeah. made money off of it and you've delivered tremendous value at the same time. I, I, that sounds phenomenal. Okay, so let's, let's dive into that a little bit more. Um, how do you get people to come into it? Well, that's where the exclusivity comes in. So you want this to be alluring. You want them to be like, oh, I've been chosen to be part of this. Mm, right? you, okay. you want them to be like, okay, I got. So it's not something that you necessarily broadcast. You're not going to do this big, huge marketing campaign like you would to do the typical three-day event where you're trying to get as many people there as possible. This is more invite only. So you might do some similar marketing strategies um, to get people interested on your topic, but then it's fill out this application. I have a special opportunity for you. Maybe you would do a webinar or a masterclass and you would talk about it a little bit, but you wouldn't actually make the offer. You would say, fill out this application only because I'm very selective of who I let in this space. Yes. And you have to be approved first before you're allowed in. So you create that, oh my gosh, I hope Matt picks me. So a little application, a little mastermind. And do you like the idea of doing these as a one-off? Like this is an event. This is a one-time exclusive thing I'm doing versus, because it it's funny. It sounds um, reminiscent. I, I launched a mastermind, I think in 2012 or 13. And similar model in a way where I put the price really, really low compared to what masterminds were. And instead of doing like, you know, two days every quarter, plus this, plus that, plus all these bonuses, I just said, hey, we're going to meet in person um, twice a month for a half day, for a five-hour day. Every two weeks, we're going to meet, and we'll do this for a series of months. And it's about getting things done. And I set the price point, and I set the limit of 10 people. And shockingly, I filled 10 people. Um, and I'd never thought of doing something like that before. And it's, it's reminiscent of that. The, the difference is this was me launching a program exclusively. This is talking about doing an event in a new way. I'm loving this and I'm, uh, I might just do that. Don't be surprised. <laughs> well, you and I can talk offline, <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, yeah, it is, it is kind of similar to that, Matt. But what I, what I always go back to with my clients is what's the ultimate goal? What are we trying to accomplish? So typically the person that would do this kind of an event, their goal for the event is to get clients into some high level product or program or one-on-one -on -one service. So um, it could be high-level one-on-one coaching that's, you know, 20 grand, 50 grand, whatever. Um, or it could be a year-long program that's, you know, again, a, a, you know, a few tens of thousands of dollars, um, something like that. Or it could be, hey, you got a taste of it now. This is what we're going to continue to do. We're going to meet once a month for six months or whatever, you know, whatever the framework is you just, uh, you decide on or like what you just said, Matt, but this is really the first 
um, experience for them to have with you to see what it would be like. So this is the dip the toe in the water strategy, but you're still having high standards for who you let in. So you're qualifying them to make sure they are a prospect, a high, high level prospect for you. That's why the conversion rate is so high on this strategy is because these people pretty much already know they would work with you and they're getting a taste of what it's like. They're getting tremendous value. They're getting something done and they're paying you for it. So when you make your offer, they're pretty much primed and ready to go because you delivered a fantastic intimate event and now they're solid of like okay yeah this pool's kind of cool i like this now i'm ready to do a cannibal i don't want to just dip my toe i'm ready to go really good and then are you aiming mostly for uh, and this is maybe just a problem i'm already thinking of um, are you aiming mostly for new people these are new prospects leads that you feel like could be a good, good a good quality because yeah. okay good because um, yeah. when i think of this you know a lot of the people i think i could I could invite and they would say yes right away. They already know me and maybe how good I am at, at the particular thing I do. Um, but those might not be the best clients because they've already purchased and bought into different elements and they're just going to, hey, a thousand bucks for a mastermind with Matt done. You know, let's do that. Right. Let's add that on top. But they might not be buying the next whatever it is. Right. Yeah. I mean, people that are already in your world and have worked with you, they already know how awesome you are because they've already purchased and worked with you. So I've seen people use this and um, this is a little bit more high level, Matt. So here's, here's some, a great bonus tip for your listeners is bring it. <laughs> they will have new people like, so let's say there's 10 people in the room. Let's paint the picture. There's 10 people in the room. Eight of them are brand new prospects, high level. You vetted them. They're perfect prospects for you. They paid to be there, but let's say of the 10, eight of them are, Brand new people haven't bought any of your high-level programs yet. Two of the people sitting there are client seeds. Yes. Meaning okay. you gave it to a client as an add-on, as a bonus, as a whatever, but they're already working with you and in your world and know how much you rock. So they're sitting there. They're getting tremendous value. They want to be at this mastermind, but what's going to happen, Matt, when it comes time for you to make your offer about working with you? What are they going to say? Oh, they're, so they're the ones that are going to say, oh my gosh, all of you other eight people, you have to do this. I already work with him. It's incredible. You're going to, you know, so they're going to be your big raving fan testimonials built in. Exactly. And it's without the awkward, you know, panel, <laughs> like you see at three day <laughs> events. <right? laughs> so tell me about like, your experience here. Exactly. Right. So tell everyone how awesome I am. No, it's not like that. This you know, isn't they, awkward. Yeah. Let me tell you, this is great. Right. Exactly. Those panels always crack me up, side point. But anyway, you know, these these client seeds that are there at your mastermind getting tremendous value, they will automatically talk about working with you. They will do it on their own. You don't even need to prime them and tell them what to say. They'll just do it. This is great. Hey, can, yeah. can we so is is this is awesome. Can we flip the script for kind of the as we wind down on the on the uh, back end of the episode here um, and talk about from the perspective of a speaker, sponsor, networker. Um, I've long held the belief that if you want to network, you should be a speaker. Um, it's much better to get booked on stage, uh, you know, in, in a room of 50 people and be the one speaker on stage versus one of 49 other networkers uh, in the room. So I know you believe that as well. You're going to go, but you've made money attending events. You've taught people how to do that as well. If I want to go from attendee to speaker, what are some strategies? What are some ways that you see 
and this is interesting, right? Because the perspective I'm looking for is when you're marketing an event, what is it that makes you take notice if someone pitches themselves to you or whatnot? Why would you put someone on your stage or recommend them on a stage that you're managing or helping to promote? Does that make sense? Kind of. Are you asking me if, if someone's an attendee at an event, why would I put them on my stage? No, not, not so much an attendee. Just if somebody like me, I want to, you're, you're managing or marketing an event. and I want to speak there. I want to get in front of that audience. When you and I, you know, when we run events, we get pitches and everybody right. wants to speak, it seems like, but there's only a few reasons why maybe I'm going to put someone on versus someone else, or I'm going to say, oh, thanks for asking, but no, you're not the right person. What can we do as speakers to, to get booked on a stage? What do I need to bring to the table, so to speak? Okay, great. Okay. Yeah. So, so with, with speakers, I would recommend stay top of mind is one of the biggest ones mm -hmm. is uh, I constantly have clients that are looking for speakers for their events and I connect them to speakers. I don't charge them for it. I just, Hey, I know so-and-so, Hey, I know so-and-so. Oh, that's a great topic for, for so-and-so. Right. So if you're top of mind for me, right. And you haven't ignored me for a year, <laughs> we, we've kept our relationship and maintained it and you're top of mind, then I'm going to think of you for my client's events. So when people ask me, how do I get booked on stages or how do I get on virtual stages right now? I say, reach out to the people that book them, reach out to the event planners that are trying to, because all of us have speaking spots that our clients need to fill. So are you reaching out to event planners and not just in the, hey, I'm a speaker. If you ever have an event, wink, wink, you know, but right, like, right. <laughs> actually having a relationship with them, comment on their stuff on social media, you know, develop a relationship, not just the, the corny DM, you know, direct message pitch, um, but, you know, stay in contact with them. So that's one of them. But also a lot of the things that you teach, Matt, and why I love what you and Jen Koppel teach is you have to be a good speaker. You have to know what to say on stage because I don't want to have a, a speaker that I recommend to one of my high level clients be a snooze fest, you know, that's going to bring down the energy, especially in a virtual event. You have to be able to keep people engaged and tell a great story. Matt, you're masterful at teaching people how to tell great stories in their speaking um, and know how to deliver your content in a way that makes sense to people. So you need training on how to do that how to be a great speaker that that is definitely number one as so the well. two so the two things i'm hearing from you is number one is i love build the relationship outside of the cold pitch so don't do a cold pitch dm stay top of mind connect with people and then uh and have a real relationship you know talk about the kids meet meet people have a good time and then uh yeah that's that's so darn important and then number two you actually have to be good at the thing you say you're good at <laughs> which, right. you know, uh, fancy that, fancy that, fancy that. Okay. Awesome. What can we, um, as we, I said, we'll wind down, but we really are winding down now in the last few minutes. Um, last couple of questions is when it comes to you've used sponsorships a lot. Can you talk about maybe your perspective of when and when not to look at sponsorships? Cause sometimes when I speak, I speak and I get paid. Very rare, but sometimes, sometimes I speak and I do it for free and I look for prospects and clients and sometimes I pay to speak. And I think there's a place for all of them. I'm curious on what your take is from the events you've managed and ran and done yourself. Um, is sponsorship a great way to get in, maybe get a foot in the door or is, 
I guess what I'm asking is, should we look at sponsorships and pay to play, pay to speak opportunities? Or are sometimes, are you going to be stuck in that forever the sponsor role? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, no, Matt, I totally know what you mean. And this is such a deep dive topic. I have an entire course that teaches this. But um, what I would say is, yes, definitely pay to play. Sometimes you'll get some free gigs, but sometimes you do have to pay to play. And it doesn't put you, it doesn't typecast you, so to speak, right? That you're forever the sponsor. It actually makes you top of mind to the event host for the future. So once they see you and you paid to be on their stage, because that is a major opportunity, they put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears to get that room filled. So it's worth it for you to pay to be on it. But once you have, now you're on their top of mind as well. So and when you rock, when you rock the stage, they'll also want to have you back. But paying to speak on stages, uh, myself and my clients that I've taught uh, the process that I do have closed six figures at the event itself from speaking on stages. So I've paid, you know, 10 grand before to speak on a stage and it was only the VIPs. So it was a 300 person event, but only like 150 were VIPs. I got 95% of them to take my my lead magnet, right? So now I have 150 new people on my list. But then I also did consults with them right then and there at the event with the people that were my best prospects and close six figures in sales before I walked out the door. So yeah, paying that 10 grand was definitely worth it because the ROI, you know, was definitely there. So 10K investment, 100K in sale. I think that's worth it, Matt. You're muted, Matt. Absolutely. So, and what I love too is, you know, if, if, uh, my only question is, well, how often can I do this? If you said, I'll give you 10 bucks and, or you give me $10, I'll give you $100 back. How many times can we do this? Who shouldn't do sponsorships? At what point do you see maybe a speaker who goes, you know, a pay to play is a really dumb way or you're not ready for that? What do you need to know? To, to really mitigate the risk, because there is risk in there, isn't there, right? You're, you're paying an upfront marketing fee, essentially, hoping that prospects and sales and conversions come from there. Uh, and there's other things, right? There's exposure and there's prestige and this and that, but primarily you're looking for conversion. Um, so who shouldn't be looking at sponsorships, or at least not right now? So who shouldn't be looking at sponsorship right now, Matt, is someone that hasn't been able to convert well when they speak for free. If you can't get people to opt in for your lead magnet or you can't get people to book a consult and then close them, then you definitely shouldn't be paying for a sponsorship. Master that first. Master your one-on-one -on -one sales with your consult first. Then take that money and reinvest it into your business and pay to play. But another thing you shouldn't be doing is just because you've got some, some money, you've got a pot of money you can invest into it and say, hey, I'm going to do sponsorships now. Alexis was on this podcast and says, I'm going to make money from it. Don't, <laughs> right? Don't just jump into an opportunity. You have to know how to qualify the event and make sure it actually is the right opportunity for you. And there's a whole series of ways of how to qualify, but there, all right, and we're we're not going <laughs> to this podcast could go on forever. <laughs> well, we could, and and I don't mind, man. Look, Joe Rogan does three four hours. Let's just let's rock and roll. No, we <laughs> we are coming up on that time, unfortunately, but um, we've gotten some amazing nuggets from you so far. This is absolutely incredible. Thank you, and you know that advice that you just gave was absolutely gold. How do I know if I should pay to play? Well, what do your conversions look like when you're doing a free gift or a free offer? If you're speaking in front of 100 people and you can't get a high enough percentage of people to take you up on a free gift, and I'm, I'm, I'm assuming as well, 
if you do get people on the free gift, but it doesn't convert to paying clients, what makes you think that if you now pay five, 10 grand to go sponsor and have a table and this and that and get on stage, that if you make a paid offer that more people will buy it? Or that if you make a free offer, sometimes sponsorships are free, that you're going to convert more just because you paid more. So make sure you can do it in the free world if you can do it in the paid world. A genius. Alexis, um, you have uh, a plethora of information. I know you have uh, resources about sponsorship. You have resources about what to do as a speaker at an event. But you also have something that, you know, a lot of people listening to this, you guys are also running your own events. And you have a how to get cheeks in seats. Can you tell us a little bit about that? You mentioned you would uh, give away a gift, which is amazing of you. Um, feel free to plug it, talk about it. I want to hear about this ultimate cheeks and chairs guide. Yeah. So the ultimate cheeks and chairs guide is that's my baby. I mean, I actually, Matt, look back at this when I'm working with clients to make sure I don't miss anything. That's how thorough <laughs> this, this guide is. This guide lists 25 different ways to fill your event, 25 different ways. And that includes with everything going on in the virtual world. It used to be less. I revamped it based on what we're seeing works and doesn't work with virtual events right now. So this guide walks you through each of the 25 different ways that you can use to fill your event. Now, if you did all 25, Matt, you would go totally bonkers. <laughs> There's no way anyone could do all 25 of these. You would go nuts. I don't care how big your team is. So what this guide walks you through is picking out what are your top five to 10 max. You really don't want to do more than 10 per event. That's a lot. So it helps you map out, okay, what are my specific top strategies to fill my event? And then once you pick your, your top ones, it's a worksheet that you do within this guide. Then it gives you an example of a 12-week calendar of what you would do to implement those strategies. The timeline of, okay, when do I create my marketing for this? What kind of marketing should it be? So it breaks down that 12-week timeline of what to do for your event so that you can get those cheeks and chairs. That's incredible. So 25 different strategies plus a marketing calendar of where and how to plug those strategies in to actually get the results and fill up an event. And whether we're talking uh, your idea of a two-day mastermind, whether you're talking about an entry-level seminar event, whether it's virtual, whether it's live, I also love that you have, this is not the same free gift from, you know, 2006. You've been pivoting this and, and adapting literally like now, right mm -hmm. now. So people are using this in, in the changing environment today. That's awesome. Alexis, where do we find out about that? And then how can we follow you and find out more about you uh, in the right now? Yeah. So I try to make it super simple. <laughs> it's just cheeksandchairs.com. So just cheek in chairs.com very simple and you can go and you can download a, a free copy of that uh marketing guide for you um and then to follow me online yeah let's stay connected especially if you're a speaker and you're an awesome speaker i'm always looking for speakers for clients so connect with me on social media on facebook it's just at a team event company on linkedin it's at uh, a team event all right that is it so check out a team event alexis caldicott and cheeks uh cheeksinchairs.com. I want to make sure I say that correctly. Thank you, Alexis, for taking the time. And uh, it's just, it's always a pleasure. You are incredible. You're such a giver and really one of the top minds in this event industry. So thank you for uh, sharing that mind with us today. Thank you so much, Matt. It's been an honor. All right, guys, that's the show for this week. Wow. Um, I, I could have kept on going. 
Um, I hope this was useful. We talked a lot more than I realized that I thought we were going to about filling events, but that's, you know, Alexa's specialty, obviously. But also we got into the sponsorship. We got into when you should and when you shouldn't. Um, there's a lot of nuggets in there. I, if I was you, I'd go back and maybe even listen to this again and decide, write down if you haven't already, what are the one or two concepts and ideas you really want to implement and utilize and, and start checking out. Uh, for me, the biggest thing I wrote down is I am going to be looking at that uh, two-day mastermind process and go through the database. You know, I'm literally after we finish this, I'm going to hang up the data. I'm going to hang up and I'm going to look at my database and figure out who my top 20, 30 prospects would be that might really love this. And what a great and again, whether it's on Zoom or whether it's um, you know safely met in person, outdoors, indoors, masked, whatever. Like we can do that. So get out there and. Maybe put on an event, maybe fill the event, certainly get booked at a live or virtual event, but make this happen. Look, speaking is not going away. Speaking is not changing. How we do it has and will continue to shift probably in less large ways than it has before, but speaking is not going away. Gatherings will not go away. People need people and we need you. So get out there and speak. Thanks for listening to Speaking and Getting Booked. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe. Uh, and rate and review. It'd be amazing because then people know that this is a good show that you can learn from. That's what the whole idea is about. It's always free. There's no paywall. Um, check out the first season of Speaking and Getting Booked. There's some incredible interviews, um, in-depth and powerful learning. I'll see you next week. Get on stage. I need to come up with a better end than that. I don't know what else to tell you, but yeah, get on stage or get booked. Speak. You know what? Message me at Matt Browning on whatever social media channel you use, Instagram, Facebook, and let me know what my ending catchphrase should be for this show. That's going to be a big help. All right. See you then. Bye.